That was Borrowed Time, one of the singles released by London-based musician Atta Welper back in 2020. Luis Felber has been involved in England's music scene for a long time, playing with tons of bands in various genres, from punk rock with his band Turbogeist to psych rock with his band Sugar. He's also one of the founders of Young Turks Records, now known solely as Young. If the name sounds familiar to you, that's because they have some pretty noticeable acts on their roster, including The XX, and with that, Jamie XX, and FKA Twigs. However, since the end of 2019, Luis has been releasing self-produced tracks under the name Atahualpa. This happens to be his Peruvian middle name. Because he has full control, Luis flirts with different genres and the music he makes. But I guess if we wanted to pigeonhole him, I would say he's somewhere in the alternative indie world. Luis and I caught up via Zoom and had a really long chat. It was just so interesting getting to know him and hearing about his journey into becoming Atahualpa. Here's my chat with Luis Felber, aka Atahualpa. Well, I normally start my interviews by asking uh, asking everyone how their pandemic's been, but in my research, I have seen that you've been very busy. So I'll uh, I'll kind <laughs> of ask you questions about your 2020. But I will start with uh, where the name Atawalpa comes from. Okay, Atawalpa is it's my middle name. Oh, okay. Uh, um, uh, it's on my passport. My whole name is Luis Delfin Atawalpa Saul Felber. And um, my mum is Peruvian. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Atahualpa is basically the last Inca king before the Spanish invaded in the 1500s. Oh. Um, So he was sort of kind of incredible because he basically the whole of Peru was um, invaded by the Spanish and they, they kind of took over and the Incas didn't really have much to fight back with. Um, so Atahualpa basically gave him a bunch of gold, thinking that would make him go away. And when it didn't make him go away, he ran away because he didn't want to rule under under Spanish rule. And mm. when they found him, they um, executed him on the spot. But um, yeah, like my brother's called Tupac, which is a later king as well. Uh, Tupac Amadu, which is what the rapper's named after as well. Huh. Um, Tupac's mum was very well read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. But yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm named, yeah, named after Atahualpa and I've been in lots of bands. I don't know how much research you've done, but. I uh, I know about one of your other bands. I'd love to hear, yeah, we can go through a, a brief history. Oh, we, don't, we don't have to. I mean, it's, not, it's not really relevant, but yeah, like it basically took a long time to figure out that that was the name. Okay. Um. But it's a weird one because it's like literally staring one of those things that just stares you in the face the whole time, but you never really um, see it. Right. Um, so like I, I went through a lot, a lot of changes. And one day I woke up and just it seemed really obvious. And then I sort of just worked with that. I feel like a name is really important. It's like, you know, you need to be mag- magnified by it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I 
really do like that you gave it some thought that you'd be surprised how many people I've interviewed and they're just like it sounded cool or I don't yeah. know they, they just don't really have a, a good well, reason hard, why it's hard so. to find a name that just sounds cool nowadays you know so right because I really wanted something that hadn't been used before mm -hmm. and that I felt drawn to because you know it's really important but um but yeah I'm very blessed for my heritage and that's you know my name I mean my name's been Lewis Atawalpa Atawalpa on Facebook since 2007 so like I said it's literally been staring at me but it's just, been right there the entire time it's literally <laughs> been right there but I just I wasn't in the right space emotionally to like see it, I guess, mm -hmm. which right. is cool. Yeah. Okay. I've also been trying to figure out how it is I came across you. It was definitely No Fools because that had been in my liked songs on uh, Spotify for a while. So I'm guessing it must have just come in Discover Weekly or something like that. Cool. Love that. Gotta love that algorithm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It must have come across my way a while ago because I believe when I found it, that was the only thing you had out at the time. Mm. And then, yeah, just during lockdown, pretty much all I've been doing is just research on bands and artists and just people that I like. And then because I followed you based on that one track, once you started releasing singles, I saw all of your new stuff come out. And then I was like, oh, great, awesome, cool. Something to yeah. talk about. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've only been releasing tracks really since like November mm -hmm. last year. Um, so it's been about a year. And yeah, No Fools, I put that out as a sort of experiment um, two years ago, nearly two years ago. And that was sort of at the time when I was figuring out what it all means and what it all is. Mm -hmm. But um, But yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad it found you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as am I, as am I. I, uh, in doing my research, I heard that that song itself did actually, it did really well, but it, yeah. it made it across one of my favorite comedy things to come out, which is the uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Oh yeah, those guys are great, aren't they? <laughs> so good. I actually, yeah. uh, I got to see them when they came to Toronto in 2019 and then the Netflix thing came out after that. So I got all of my friends to watch. I didn't tell them anything about it. I just said, it's really funny. Yeah. Go in with no expectations. Cause I think if you do, it's, it's just not going to be as good as it would be if it's a surprise. So <laughs> yeah, just, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. It was a real stroke of luck getting it in that show. And my friend was actually the stage manager on that show. And she said that they actually played the song, like to hype the crowd up before they both came out, which is awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, like for like an unknown, you know, independent artist, that's like, it's just wild. Yeah, absolutely. How did they come across that song, do you know? They just liked it. I mean, they, they got sent a bunch of stuff by my publisher at the time, and um, that was one of the songs, and they just really liked it. Hmm. So they went with it, yeah. It's just that old school. Yeah. In your ears vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's great how that happens sometimes. I did want to know, the band that you came and performed in Toronto with, what, what band was that? It was a band called Turbo Geist. Turbo Geist. Yeah. Okay. It was like a, I guess we were like a punk band, but influenced mainly by American punk. Okay. Um, yeah, we were around for like four years, and then I left the band, because I realized I didn't really like the music we were making. Oh, okay. So a yeah. bit a bit heavier than uh than what you'd been doing. Because the band I do know about is uh is Sugar, which we'll uh we'll talk oh, cool. about in a little bit. So I was wondering if it was that. Okay, so yeah, let's uh let's tackle twenty twenty. Um so do you remember what you were doing when 
things started going nuts when lockdown started being put into place and all of that? Yeah, I was building a studio in um in the basement. So I just moved into a flat, well, my friend's flat, and I make music with him under the name Nerves, N-R-V-S. Yeah. And um, we rehearsed there, like before I lived there, and I realized that this basement was like a perfect space to, to make music in. So we, we was building that and soundproofing it. And I was bringing my equipment in from storage. And then I just started sort of sinking into it, I guess, when the world started sinking into the idea that we're going to be doing this isolating thing for a while. <laughs> so it was in a way it was, I mean, it was really good timing for me because I was kind of, before, yeah, I was kind of mentally preparing myself to self-isolate and to write a bunch of songs, get a few things off my chest. Okay, so you were already kind of gearing up for uh, for self-isolating anyway, and then when it happened, totally. you were just like, great, cool, now I can at least do it without anyone anyone I, judging me. <laughs> I don't have any FOMO, I don't have any excuses. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the things that I had, that I didn't really realize were stressful, but they are quite stressful, it's like, I I basically put on all the shows. I, I'm a promoter for all the Atawalpa stuff as well. Okay. And um, so, you know, I booked the gigs, I booked the band, I booked the venue, I promote it. And yeah, I, was, I had a few of those and I was starting to do a few nights at different venues working with this Cuban band that I know called, or Cuban Bangladeshi band called Loki Terra. And we're going to do a really mixed night of, you know, I hate the term, but world music and like indie music. Okay. And um and it was gonna be a really cool thing. But like I had a bunch of those booked and a bunch of Atawalpa shows booked as well because I was planning to put the EP out around April. Mm-hmm. The first EP spells. And yeah, so when that stopped and I didn't have to do that anymore, it was kind of like a weird relief. And I didn't realise that that was stressing me out, you know, doing that. Um so I think when stuff when gigs come back, I will be aware of that. And right. maybe get some help with it okay it's quite stressful doing everything and you know rehearsing the band and stuff but um which is something I have to do but which I love but like when you're thinking of like the admin and the sort of technical side and it's like it's a bit much so yeah when all those gigs got cancelled it was really sad and unfortunate but at the same time I was like oh I don't have to sell 200 tickets I can just focus on you know, stay in my pajamas and <laughs> coming up with some new ideas. Right, right. And um, and yeah, like I, I think I recorded. I mean, since I've been here, I've come up with three new ideas that I'm sort of been putting down slowly. But in that studio, I'm, I'm at my mum and dad's in Portsmouth at the moment because I came down here for Christmas um, in my bubble. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I think I recorded like twelve songs. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of like an album, like the second album. I see the first two EPs as the first record. Okay. And this is going to be like the second record. And that's 12 songs that are sort of ready to go into a studio now and just add production like they're written. That's and, really um, cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, it's like, it's also, so I'm quite, a, I'm quite new to this. Like I've always been in bands and done music and written songs and been producing for the last five years. But I'm new to sort of finding my process. And I always felt that every song was sort of an excuse to find a new process and a new way of writing something, a new way of 
seeing it but I feel like I've kind of discovered more of what that is I mean I still don't know what it is but I feel like I've uncovered it a bit more right you're like one step closer yeah but I don't think you're ever comfortable like I think if you I don't think I'll ever be like oh I I figured it out (laughs) like I found it I I think it's all about discovering it it's like self-therapy you know you're like absolutely and that's what it feels like and it, it feels really good and it it was good to have the time you know time sort of paused it was like a forced reflection and then it was good to have that space and also like I I reconnected with my friend who I did No Fools with mm-hmm. um, and he produced the first two Jamie T records I'm not sure if you guys know of that that dude out there but he was quite a big deal here about 10 years ago and um, yeah so I basically took these demos and went to his house and it was really nice and he had a dog and it was just like a nice change of scenery and sort of work with someone else. I feel like um, it's all about collaborating. Mm -hmm. I love coming up with the idea and the bones and then take it to someone else and like pushing that idea to make it as good as it possibly can be. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, other people will bring, bring stuff that maybe you hadn't considered and you're like, Oh yeah, that sounds really cool. Or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I know with that, like I'm a filmmaker, so I, I know collaborations, like it's huge. It's what makes any, any creative project really go forward. Cool. So tell me a little bit more about nerves. It was pretty cool in doing my research and then seeing what nerves was very different from what Atahualpa is. Yes. So is it just you and your roommate or is it a bigger collective? I know there's a bit of anonymity about it, so I don't know how yeah, much you can it's, say. It's, it's, it's a collective. At the moment, it's three of us, but okay. it's, been, it's been up to five. It's like a revolving door. But the bre- main brains is my um, my flatmate. Okay. And he's a big part of Extinction Rebellion um, over here. So that's like his main thing is Extinction Rebellion. But the way he expresses stuff, and I think you have to find a way to express yourself if you're doing something that's that laboring, you know, mm-hmm. like... Um, and, no one's giving him any love for Extinction Rebellion anymore. Like people that <laughs> it's not the time to be causing a ruckus, but he does it anyway because it's in his nature. But yeah, so I think Nerves is like, it's a good release for him. And all the songs are, are about, you know, sort of a dystopian future and mm-hmm. a lot of what ifs. But, um, but yeah, like it's really fun making music with him and, Originally, I, I started just playing the drums in that band because I really wanted to play drums. Okay. And um, and then I ended up producing it and now co-writing it. Huh. So, like, I feel like the sounds developed a lot over the last year. So the stuff we've put out is is quite heavy. I mean, well, how would you describe it? Because I, I, when you mix a song and when you, you know, it's like when you're editing a film, it's like and someone asks you for the the feel of the film it's like really hard to talk about it because you're on top of it <laughs> right like, right yeah I can't see it but um yeah I don't know I mean it's it's definitely heavier than that right. it's angry yeah I definitely got that sense too yeah which makes a lot of sense now knowing that your roommate isn't or your flatmate is involved in Extinction Rebellion they probably have a lot of pent-up frustration just trying to you know be super active in that so I, yeah. I get that I get that why why it's why it would sound angry <laughs> mm. Yeah, man. Like we're we're putting out the next Nerve single on the twenty second of January. Okay. Um, the day that Biden gets elected in. Um, hopefully. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll, and, see. Uh, we'll see what that guy does. <laughs> you never know. And the song's called See I Hate to Be Ya. And <laughs> it's, it's probably like the poppiest song we've done. Yeah. And then, then, then we're getting ready for like the next EP, which is four songs. Um, and we're kind of developing a film around that. Oh, cool. Which has been like, yeah, like COVID. I mean, what else can you do other than come up with creative ideas and yeah. talk to people on Zoom and emails? Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully that uh, it's, it's quite an ambitious idea. So hopefully we pull it off. I don't want to say too much about it just in case. Okay. All right. All right. It doesn't happen. <laughs> but the, but that, that EP will see the light of day in 2021. Though. I'm cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. Some more good music to look forward to. I like that. Yeah, man. I know it's like you said, it's a bit different for every song and you're kind of still figuring out what your process is, but you are a multi-instrumentalist. So when you're kind of, as you said, like coming up with the bones, are you doing everything? Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you're bringing, you're bringing that to, you know, someone that might know. Well, I, with, with the spells and patterns EP, I came up with most of the ideas, most of the songs. And then at, for some of those songs, I had a band. It, it's a lot easier to figure out a song if you have a band, because you can play it in a room and you don't have to spend like a day demoing it to hear mm -hmm. it back. And it's never the same because you you need that human interaction. Yeah. But like most of the songs, I had sort of the bare bones of it. And then I brought it to this guy, Matt Alchin, who's like the co-collaborator on Atahualpa. He, on those two EPs, like he co-produced and co-wrote a bunch of it. Okay. But we basically work, excuse me, we basically work from the demo. Okay. And build and make the demo sound posh. <laughs> right, yeah. That's, you know, because like I've tried re-recording songs with budgets and studios, like when I've had, when I've been with different bands and record deals and it never really works. I feel like, if you have a piece of magic recorded on a demo, why not sort of breathe more life into that rather than scratching it and starting again? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and like I just make sure that all my early demos are done to a click, so it's not like madness to right <laughs> to play to like an out of time bass, you know? Right. But um, yeah, I mean the, the only instrument that I don't really feel confident enough to play yet is the drums like in a studio context. So like mm -hmm. a guy called Henry Donowski, who's an amazing drummer, he went to Berkeley in Boston. He played drums on on the on all the record. And he's really easy to talk to. He gets that we're playing for the song, like everything's for the song. Right. Um, I mean, I'm a guitarist and that's why I don't have many guitar solos. But if he came to see us live, that would change. <laughs> like he'd right, hear right. guitar solos. But like, I like the records. I always wanted to make music that I wanted to listen to first and foremost. And I wanted the records to sound like the intro to like a HBO show, like The Wire or something. Okay. But, but like the live show to feel like a punk rock show. Right, yeah. To feel like Nirvana, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, like you kind of fall down rabbit holes in studios and, you know, like a song like um, Holiday that's on spells, like, the way we play it live, it works as a three-piece, but like on record, it's so produced and it's got that weird sort of modulated bass, distorted mm -hmm. synth thing. And when I first heard that, I thought, oh, that's so cool. I want to build the whole song around that because you get really excited about that one thing. But like in hindsight, I'm like, 
I don't know, in my head, I wanted that song to sound like Neil Young collab in the 70s, doing On the Beach, collaborating with like Dark Twisted Fantasy, Kanye West. Okay. Which is like, which is like an insane idea. But I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm glad I tried it. But I think like my process has been really backwards compared to most people that make, make music in my sort of realm or genre. Um, and like, I don't have a big studio or anything. And I, I'm not like, I'm not in, if I, even if I had all the money in the world, I wouldn't do it like Prince, you know, I'd, I'd go do it on a more of a Neil Young tip where I'd get bands and I'd capture moments. Yeah. Um, but I like the idea of having the song kind of written before I take it anywhere. Okay. Um, maybe that's me being a control freak or a Gemini or both. But, um, but yeah, I like, I like, like with those first two EPs, it's like I, I'm doing the drums last when the drums should really be recorded first. And for my next record, I hope to, you know, manifest some sort of funding where I can be in the studio with a band, you know. Right, do an, right. Do an OK computer where you just rent a mansion in France <laughs> with a cool, understanding producer for three months. That, yeah. That's, that's the dream. Right, for sure, like, for sure. Because like doing everything, it's just like, I'm not complaining. I mean, it sounds like I'm complaining a little bit, but I've done it now. So like, mm -hmm. I still feel like I'm there in the studio making these songs with Matt. But we really like, we wrote Borrow Time together about a year and a half ago. And then after that, it went so well, the way that it got from the demo to what the song is. I said to Matt, like, I've got nine more songs if you fancy doing more of this. And I gave him most of the money I had in my savings <laughs> we just worked for a year but like I have to understand that he's a producer and he's a musician and he needs to take the money jobs first so yeah we're sort of working around that but during lockdown we couldn't see each other so that limitation was kind of amazing right um but I kind of after the after that year of working with Matt and doing these two EPs I feel like the process could be a bit finessed and made quicker by bringing a band in. And I have like literally just been playing with a band for the last sort of year or two. And yeah, I feel like we all get each other. Right. It'd be really fun. I think like all my favorite records have, you know, musicians playing. Yeah. Not the same guy doing everything. Not, not the you know, unless you're listening to Prince, which I do really do. Right. <laughs> uh, so how many people are in the band when you are performing live? Well, these lot, we did like eight shows over the last um, break in the lockdowns um, in London. And some of them were just a three piece. And then the other ones were four. So it's me on guitar and vocals, uh, a girl called Kaylee on drums, who's amazing. And a guy called Diego on bass and my good friend Adam on keyboards. Okay. And like we, when we started, we had Matt, Matt Orchard played guitar and Adam, rather than just playing a keyboard, he had like a laptop and all the samples and right. it was, I call it a dickhead station, which <laughs> it, it caught on. It didn't go down very well, but like it, we like were seriously calling it that by the end of that time. And one gig, I remember Adam couldn't make it or something and we just played it as a three piece and I just had such fun. Like my favorite band probably ever is Nirvana. And I just felt like that freedom of the three piece, where you can just sort of 
slow stuff down and like it's all like you're all one you know it's a perfect triad yeah and um and i think that made me want to make the vibe looser okay yeah so now it's basically that but with with adam on keys which is great cool cool um i know that you're you also uh co-wrote and produced uh tom's tom's first ep wow. which is uh, you have done your homework <laughs> i have yeah and i uh, i well i've just heard the one song that's out i the name escapes me right now little, little, little fucker. fucker that's right yeah. uh which is awesome it's such a cool vibe and uh Thanks, the video man. was very weird <laughs> which which it's i liked gonna, a lot it's only gonna get weirder <laughs> cool how did you weirder. uh how did you get hooked up with tom how did that come about um so Tom was in a band called the Paddingtons, um, which was a British band that was pretty big in the noughties. And I was a fan. Like, I, when I was a kid, when I was at school, I was, like, downloading their stuff on LimeWire. Oh, cool. And, um, and we used to, me and my friends would listen to it. And, um, but we never really connected then. Like, I don't even think I saw them live, to be honest. But, like... There's loads of weird connections, like their guitarist is in a band called Skaters. It's a New York band. Yeah, I know Skaters. And, and Matt Orchin, the, the guy that I work with, was in Skaters as well. He toured with them. He was their guitarist. Um, so there were all these connections. But, like, the guy that mixed No Fools, Andy Hughes, he was Kid Up, a guy called Kid Up Hoon's sound engineer. Kid Up Hoon's written stuff for like Harry Styles and like Taylor Swift. Now. He's like a big sort of pop writer. Okay. Florence the Machine. And I used to play with a guy called Jamie T that would play with Florence and that whole crew of people and Adele and Kate Nash. And I met Andy through that, I think. And then Andy introduced me to Tom because Tom wanted to make some songs. And Tom was friend of Kid Harpoon, who's also called Tom, which is very confusing. <laughs> but it's basically from being in London for over 10 years, you know? Right. And, and going to enough gigs that you just know who everyone is. Right. And, um, and yeah, one day Tom contacted me and I was like, I mean, I don't know if how much you've looked into my background, but I was kind of like, a, I used to drink and stay up all night a lot. For about okay. a decade, I did that. <laughs> and Atawalpa came out of me sobering up and leaning into my reality of who I am. But at this point, I hadn't quite got there yet. So I was in a studio in East London, Stoke Newington, and my studio was underneath this bar, which basically would stay open all night. Okay. And, um, and I would work all day and stay in the bar all night. And that's where I met Tom. It's quite, I'm trying to remember, but it's fuzzy. I remember meeting Tom with Andy Hughes and like I played them a bunch of Nerve stuff actually, because that was like the early days of Nerves. This was like four years ago. And then I think me and Tom just got along. I, I think the thing that hooked me with him was his love for Weezer Blue Album and Pinkerton. Okay. And I was like, that's really interesting because like the music that he made 10 years ago, then it was like eight years ago, whatever. It doesn't remind me of that. But I remember as a kid, I used to listen to a lot of pop punk and 
I remember thinking that Paddington's were like a cooler version of the Libertines because their lyrics were dark and they kind of remind me of like Alkaline Trio to your Blink-182s. Oh yeah, I yeah. love Alkaline Trio. Yeah. And like Matt Skibber, I think is one of my favorite lyricists like of that era. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. He's, he's so funny and I'm really glad that you like Alkaline Trio because if I, most people either don't know who it is and if they do, they're afraid, you know? Right. But like all you have to do is listen to that the first the the record with the little cassette on it, the, the yep. I think it's that is like some of the lyrics in that it's so fucking good. But anyway, Tom reminded me of that that sort of vibe. He always okay. did, and then he played me his demos literally like off his phone, and um, they were like you know kind of crappy quality demos, just him playing guitar and sort of mumbling or singing. And he's got you know he's got a real ability to come up with some cool hooks and some cool melodies and his chords were like yeah it kind of reminded me of Pinkerton and I was like this could be really cool and like creatively I was in a bit of a a bullyish mood okay so I'd been in like Turbo Geist and Sugar with like two of different one girlfriend and one of my best friends and I was kind of coming out of that of you know being told what to do in a creative situation and going along with it and you know you shouldn't people always do that in bands because bands work as like a hierarchy and it's like a you know it's something that should sort of go along and no one's going to agree with the thing at the same time but I was just coming out of that and getting into production and um yeah with Tom's stuff I would just like throw in a hip-hop beat and make the arrangements really weird to just see if he would like be affected by that Mm -hmm. if he'd be like no it should be like this but he was so cool. He was just like, yeah, like, that's awesome. And the more I pushed him, the more it sort of pushed me into places that I just wouldn't have gone. Right. I was kind of bullying myself to make weird shit. Right. And, and yeah, so we made this, ended up making this EP. And um, Andy Hughes mixed it. And then we didn't really, he had a kid. She was like two at that point. But we kind of, it kind of fizzled out because he didn't really have a plan I wasn't going to make the plan for him. I definitely was not organized enough to sort of figure my own shit out, let alone someone else's. So yeah, fast forward to 2020 and I'm going through my hard drive and I find all this Tom stuff and I just listen to it. I call him up and I'm like, we got to put this out. I've got, I've got a label now, a distributor, like I'll do it. And, you know, I've already put my Atawalpa stuff out. So I kind of knew what boxes he had to tick to mm -hmm. actually get the music in the world and that's what we did and now we're releasing the second single of that ep which is called honey brain on january 13th cool so and the video for that's going to be pretty wild um yeah i've seen some footage of it and it's awesome oh cool so, yeah what? i think with that with, with that like tom's like it's interesting watching someone else's experience from like not putting music out for 10 years and then doing it and you know the guy's a dad he's not like a weird hermit he's like you know he's a friendly social guy but like it kind of gives you some sort of um i don't know what the word is oh no it made it makes you feel good i can't think right. of the right word yeah but it's it's nice to be a part of that and um yeah those songs were like i wasn't in my right mind at the time but what I remember, it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> so are you, uh, are you sober now? Like, are you uh, completely sober now or? 
No, no. no? I, I, just I, calm down. Just calm down. And like, I, I went completely sober for a year and three months, I think. Year and three months. And um, it started as to be, I wanted to just be sober for three months just to see what that was like. But basically, long story short, I, I tried lots of things. I tried therapy. I tried going to an analyst. And basically, I, I figured out that I was depressed. I, I suffered from depression. And, um, and I got prescribed antidepressants. And I thought it was kind of ridiculous to stop. I was taking a lot of drugs to sort of self, um, self-medicate, mm-hmm. like weed and coke and whatever I could get my hands on, really. And um, luckily, I don't have a really addictive personality because that would have been the end. Right. But like, yeah. When a guy said to me, like, oh, you've got to stop taking those drugs, but take this drug that you get from the pharmacy. And I was like, mm, didn't make me feel very good. So I tried my, my ex-girlfriend who's in sugar, Emma. Her boyfriend at the time was a five element acupuncturist. Okay. And um, and she kept telling me for like maybe a year or something to go and try it out. And eventually I heard her and I went and um, literally the first session happened. And that was the first day of sobriety for like a year and three months. That's amazing. And yeah, I wanted just three. I wanted to just like sit with sit because like I can't speak for anyone else other than myself. But like I figured out that I, you know, everyone has some sort of childhood thing mm-hmm. and everyone has, a, you know, a hole in them that we try and fill up. And if it's, if it's a hardcore heavy thing that's happened to you, you try and numb yourself. Yeah. And that's why I think I loved weed from the age of like 14. Cause it was just like, great, but you yeah. can't keep that up for very yeah. long, you know? And, um, and yeah, like I basically, wanted to be lean into that sort of pain for three months and just feel like myself Mm -hmm. which I never really had you know and that turned into over a year but then after that I was like in a restaurant and I just ordered a drink and I didn't really enjoy it (laughs) but I consciously wanted it because I was in a good mood and I felt like oh that would be nice but then it just gave me a headache straight it was a glass of Prosecco okay but since then, like, I have drunk, but I haven't, I haven't been drinking to get drunk. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I don't think I enjoy that feeling anymore. Right, which so is I'm great. Really, that's, that's such a big step. It's huge. And yeah. like, I feel like it's like pressing the refresh button, you know? Yeah. It's like I've learned another language or something. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, like the sort of industry, the touring rock and roll, rock and roll music industry, it sort of puts drinks in your hands and puts spliffs in your mouth. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't sort of warn you of like, this isn't going to end well. Right. Yeah. uh, Maybe that's changing. I mean, you don't see Billie Eilish with a bottle of JD on her (laughs) Instagram. So I think people are definitely becoming more conscious yeah, the definitely. Fact that we have to be kinder to to ourselves and to other people. Yeah, but like I just wasn't. It was yeah. I was before that, right? You know, like eighteen, touring in a touring band, you know, playing Glastonbury and touring the world from like eighteen to twenty six. Um. So yeah, like 
it was a good time. Mm-hmm. It was a good time to stop, and I see Atawalpa as like, it's just sort of honing into what it, you know, what I am. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. And yeah, like for sure. And back to the Tom stuff, like we're writing, we've written, started writing again, first time in four years since its little fuckery P was made, and um, and yeah, it's dope. Like the songs are gonna be really cool, and it's just like nice to do it like that, you know. Yeah. Your teenage self, your Matt Skibber teenage self thinks I need to be wasted to make yeah. that lyric work. That's bullshit. No, no, you definitely don't. Definitely don't. And yeah. man, that's 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 awesome. It's uh, I know, like when I, um, I mean, in my my college days, I think around about when I was twenty three, I realized that probably eighty to yeah, let's say eighty percent of the times I was getting drunk, I was getting drunk to get drunk. And I was also getting drunk to the point where I would forget half the night. I'd wake up somewhere and not know how I got home or not know yeah. where I was. And it definitely, like, it took a lot, <laughs> a long time, a long time for me to be like, I don't think this is normal. I don't think this is what alcohol is for. No. Um, it took me a long time too. And when lockdown started happening, I was, I was a little nervous. Uh, luckily, I live with my girlfriend now and she's my rock and she's great. And not that she like won't let me drink. Like I do still drink, but it's, uh, I don't have that need. Like I can just have one or two beers now and just be like, yeah, oh, it's like a, that was it's nice. a conscious thing. Like I don't think I ever want to drink if I'm in a bad mood. I don't think that really helps mm-hmm. anyone. No. Especially myself. But it's like, it's nice to drink if you're feeling you know like that feeling whatever that feeling is yeah I think people that sort of depend on it especially men because I think we find it really hard to um to sort of explain our emotions and how we feel and why we did that and blah 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 so like it's like a really easy crutch to fall on yep um and women I'm you know I'm, uh what's the word I'm speaking for everyone now. Right, yeah, yeah, generalizing. Like, generalizing a lot, but I feel like they're in touch, they grow up a lot faster and they're in touch with their emotions a lot easier. So, you know, they don't do that as much as we do. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think there's some weird thing about just like that stigma of of being a man and, you know, you can't really express yourselves or at least we're, we're brought up to not do that and uh drinking just helps you either not do that or it gets you to the point where you are able to do that and then, yeah, but but then you're such, and you're a blubbery mess <laughs> it's such a long way around it though isn't it it's it like, is it is it definitely I is mean, that's why i love um five element acupuncture because it's like therapy but you actually feel physically relieved after it mm-hmm yeah, I think everyone should try it, man. It's, I've never tried it before. I uh, my girlfriend's amazing. told me to try it a bunch of times, but uh, maybe maybe when lockdowns are down, I'll uh, I'll go in for one. Yeah, man, it's really you know I, I went for that year or whatever. I went once a week, but now I go you know once every couple of months, once a month, whenever I feel like it, and it's yeah, it's great. I think the word that comes up is just it gives you clarity. Yeah, mm, which ah, is cool. a tough one. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure okay let's get back to music stuff yeah man so speaking of sugar i also read that there's some new sugar material going to be coming out in 2021 where did you read that <laughs> how did that come about and like how long was the gap between not being in the band anymore and now having Sugar's having... a real weird one because like we got signed we got 
We got signed to Florence the Machines Manager's label for our first single. Okay. And then we weren't ready for that, you know? Like, we had two songs that we put out, but, like, the days of developing artists had long gone, and we kind of went into... We went into, like, a writing period with um, this guy, Ben, who, who, who produced and co-wrote No Fools With Me, and he was in Jamie T. And we all just went to a to my mum and dad's house in the country while they were in Peru and just set up our equipment there for, like, a year and just recorded and wrote and created loads of stuff. But none of it, no one was there to be like, that's the next thing or... Right. You know, we just left to our own devices. So it kind of like, not all of us were perfectionists and none of it ever saw the light of day, except for one song called Stay Wild, which is on a SoundCloud. And that's, yeah, I think that's got like over 10,000 views or something. Okay. That's going to be on the album. So yeah, basically we're going to, we've made an album. We made an album then, but it took the hindsight of like the last five years to see that we made an album, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, John Drew from Toronto has mixed a bunch of it and mastered it. And um, yeah, we're just sort of waiting for the right moment to put it out because Emma, who is the voice of Sugar, she she's an aspiring director and um, she's going to make all the visual side of it. Like we record, we filmed a lot of stuff like me and Emma were together for eight years and we recorded, filmed a lot of, you know, our holidays, our time together. And she's sort of got a vision to make that into a few videos, which, and there's also loads of videos that we filmed that never saw the light of day. So there's a lot of archive stuff. Right. And the songs are there. So it's just like my job is to sort of schedule it all and give Emma deadlines. But at the moment, Emma is busy editing my next video because she's directed the next Atawalpa. Oh, cool. Yeah, for a song called Please Take Care. That's the one that uh, you shot in that forest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. How do you know? (laughs) I I think that one you you told me on email. (laughs) Okay, I told you that on email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a really beautiful forest. It's going to look amazing. I mean, the the edit will be done by, like, the end of next month. Cool. So Emma, that's Emma's, like, she's been assistant director for, like, a year now for this guy who's doing my next video called Sebastian Strasse, a German director. And yeah, I think she, she's going to just be making a lot of cool stuff. And I'm very blessed to say that my next single will be the first thing she's made. Very cool. Um, on her own. And it was a really great production. It was a great vibe on set and visionary. Like she knows me more than I know myself in a lot of ways, you know, mm-hmm. but like, it's very David Lynchian, very surreal, very beautiful. Like all my videos are based in their own world. Like I never want to do the same thing twice. Right. Same with the song, you know, like mm-hmm. I felt everything to be in its own sort of space. And like, I always wanted to make a video that was very pure, but it's hard to go pure without being cheesy. Yes. But I think like Emma is going to, pull that off <laughs> cool yeah that's exciting yeah and uh, it's a really personal song like i mean the chorus is please take care of yourself yeah which is like a very important message i think especially in this time yeah absolutely but, um, i originally wrote it probably it, emma thinks it was about 
you know, me writing about myself in a way, but at the time I was writing about a lot of friends who were doing, you know, horrible drugs and it didn't look like they were going to get out of that. Right. And it was like me and my friend Delilah, we basically were frustrated with that situation. So classic musicians to deal with reality. We create our own reality and write a song. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like the video is like going to have it all come together. Cause I, I love that. I love that about videos. It's like, you spend so much time on the song and it's never really enough. It's like, I think the video really ties it all in mm-hmm. and it's never really finished. Like the, 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 the watering of it, cause you're, you're always playing it live and that's the consistent thing. But I think the video is like the, the framing of it, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do want to touch on uh, a couple of the videos where we get a bit further into this. Um, sure. But we'll, we'll but that... yeah, sugar. Were we talking about sugar? Yeah, we were. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to happen next year. That's very cool. Is that going to be released on your label or yeah. on the original one? No, on my label, because the original one doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Um, and she lives in Mexico and has like two kids. And I don't think she's doing music, um, that lady. But. No, I mean, my label is basically just a platform where I can distribute music digitally. Mm-hmm. I would love to eventually have a label. I founded a label when I was 17, which is doing really well, called Young Turks. Oh, no way. Yeah. I know Young Turks. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, cool. Me and Kais Paulson founded that when we were 17. But I'm not anything to do with it now. Okay. We're, we're, we're still friends. But... um. I would love to, I've always wanted to do that because I love music. Mm-hmm. And like the way I see it now is I'm in enough projects, I'm writing enough songs that it's fine to put the, the, the time into like putting someone's music out. Yeah, yeah. Especially if I've written some of it. But like yeah, eventually sure. it'd, be, it'd be great to just put out, put stuff out that I haven't written that I just like. And, right. And you know, to have some money behind it and some minions like yeah. print, printing vinyl in a factory, that'd be sick. Yeah, but like for, for the sure. moment, it's like, just do what I can and, you know, advise people on how to make a cool release and then I help them put it out in the world. Hmm. But yeah, that's what it's going to be like with Sugar. And Emma wants to do an album. She's very much like, I want to put a record out, but I don't think people will pay attention to a record. I think we put a record out, but like in single form. Yeah. So put 10 singles out over a year, and then by the end, it's a record. Right, yeah. Um, that seems to be of, what, what is the, that's how to do it nowadays, for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely the model I'm following. Yeah, yeah. which is, it's, I, I find it a little bit sad, just, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of shows that our attention spans are so short now. That skip button gets hit so quickly uh, anytime, you're, you know, people are on Spotify these days. It's, so It's, it's extremely sad, but... The way I I have to build a silver lining around these sad things, Mm -hmm. these sadnesses. Um, And I see it as like we're kind of in the 50s again when it was all about the seven inch. Right. All about the singles. Yeah. All about the singles. And we're back there and maybe the album will come back around again. Yeah, for sure. Something that's helped me with it is uh, I started collecting vinyl maybe four or five years ago. For me, that's the best way to force myself to really sit down and listen to an album front to back. 
Yeah. Also Final just appreciate A side and B side, right? Like it's it's just such a And the artwork. And the artwork, of course. Yeah. That's yeah. something I love doing is just sitting with a vinyl and just reading reading the lyrics, reading, you know, everything everything or I can. Skin, everything written skinning on. up on skinning up on the on the vinyl as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I know it's... that's made a comeback. I think you're right in that the way to do it now, especially if you're an emerging artist, is to just put singles out. I have a, a good friend of mine from here moved to LA and just got signed to Capitol Records. Wow. And that's that's even how they're doing it with his stuff. He's still just putting out a new single once a month. And then, you know, at the end of the year, he's got enough for an album. So that's going to be put on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some stuff won't even be put on that album. Like, it's just... Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's just such a weird you time. Get to, you get to see how people react to each song when you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you wouldn't with the album. I mean, yes. an album in the 90s makes sense because of CDs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, it just doesn't really make sense to me now. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. So yeah. it goes, we can't fight it. So we just got to go with it. Yeah. That being said, how cool would it be to put some Adewelpa stuff out on vinyl? It'd be very cool. Dude, I'm manifesting <laughs> that myself. At the there moment. you go. <laughs> I want to do Spells and Patterns as my first album. I cool. can imagine that on a record like Spells and Done Hanging On on one side and then the rest of Patterns on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. There um, you go. It's like in my head, that's, that is a record. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your biggest takeaway from 2020? Patience. Like, learning to battle with patience. <laughs> <laughs> and realizing that, like, I have this thing where I feel like, you know, I've had these songs for such a long time, some of them, that when you release a song, it's like, oh, you just expect things, but no, it's like, I've had this song for like a couple of years or whatever, but everyone else hasn't, they've had it for like two days. So just, right. I have to learn to be patient um, with that. And with, with everything, I guess it's like life moved so fast Yeah. before this happened. And there was no time. Like if, if this, if Corona hadn't happened, then I, I wouldn't have put the Tom stuff out. I wouldn't have, reconnected with John Drew I wouldn't have thought of the sugar stuff like it's just you know it's taught me about time is the only thing we really have Mm -hmm. and like if you're on Instagram which we both are Facebook we don't feel we feel like that's all free but it's not because we are giving it our time and that's like kind of fucked up if you put it under a microscope yeah um so yeah it's kind of just taught me that and also I guess how mental health is important Mm -hmm. and like for me something I've learned in the last sort of year or so two years I guess is um I need to do exercise okay I I love playing football and um you know that it's been really really useful to be in a situation where the only thing that matters is that present moment Mm -hmm. um because I can get quite like in my head about things and yeah, I guess like, you know, appreciation of friends and family and all that stuff when you can't see people, it's like when you do see them, it's like, fuck, you know, these gigs that we've played and seeing people for the first time in months, it's just like, wow, that's like a huge weight is lifted and didn't even know that was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really know. cool that at least in London, you've been able to do shows again. I haven't been to a show since November 2019. Wow. 
And it's just, it's That's heartbreaking, man. So the podcast itself was uh, birthed out of necessity just because I wasn't able to go to shows anymore, but I was still on all the email lists from the PR companies. Well, that's amazing. And uh, I was, you know, I just decided, okay, well, now I can just do this, do this over the Zoom and, and chat with people. It, it's been a blessing in, in some ways because, you know, uh, if I was chatting with you backstage before you were going on or after you got off off stage, you'd only want to talk to me for maybe 10 minutes. And then you're like, I, I know about that, Frankie. <laughs> at least that's the sense I got about uh, from, yeah. from most of the artists I, I went to interview. And at least this format, we could chat for hours, you know, and it's it's, yeah, yeah. it's been very cool for that. I, I really yeah, feel sure. like I get a deeper connection with each artist I speak to, which is so great because everyone that I've had on for the most part is uh, is someone that I, I actively listen to or just came across. And then when you get to meet them digitally mm -hmm. or however, it just gives me such a new appreciation for their music because I know the backstories behind how the album was made or just know them as a person. I'm like, they're a really good person. I'm going to, I'm a new fan now forever kind of thing. That's been something pretty big, but I just miss shows so much. I was going to at least two shows a week and now nothing and it's just and like the online shows the you know i i understand people are still trying to just do something but it's not the same it's not the same it's not the same at all i mean the you know the audio is not there you don't get that whole energy and electricity from just being in a crowd and there's no connection yeah yeah um i mean obviously when we're talking we're exchanging ideas and that works but like with music, you need to feel connected to it. And I don't think that works so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You need to yeah. be in a very specific mood to be the, you know, the, the watcher, the consumer. Yeah. Get it. And so does the performer. Like I did a few of those in the first lockdown. It was just like, I know it's a bit like you're just like freaking out about your Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. And then also yeah. there's, there's something about sitting on your couch watching something versus being in like a smoky gross bar you know sweaty yeah. with a bunch of people around it, it's just it's it's too different of, of an experience so um yeah that, I'm, I'm just really I mean, hopeful yeah we have to be i think and like i i mean I, I, like i said um i promote and do all my shows um that's how young turk started actually we started as a club night so i've been doing that since i was 17 so the moment that I saw that the restrictions were going to be lifted a bit. I was talking to a bunch of people at venues um, that I was going to do stuff before this. And I just got right in there and booked as many things as possible. And it was also she distance and seating and stuff, but like it is possible to do it. It's just a lot harder, but I feel like things will become, I don't, I don't like saying back to normal, but things will become more like they were once there's this vaccine. Right. Yeah. That will yeah. Help. Yeah, um, hopefully. And it, that's looking good, man. But like, I don't know, I feel like there's that patience thing again. Like, I'm quite an impatient person. Yeah. Especially if I can't get my way. And I think this is a big, you know, it's a lot of learning going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But that's great that you got this podcast out of that. You know, it's great to get the best things come out of negative situations yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah this has definitely like kept me going i found so much great music that has been a good thing and even before all of this i was i was the guy in the friend group that always had like every week i'm like oh guys gotta listen to this gotta listen mm -hmm. to this now i'm like doing that on the daily pretty much but i'm sure my friends are uh are pretty bored of me 
coming to them with new stuff all the time. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. You make playlists? Is that how you... Uh, I, I have a playlist that I actually, I, I haven't put it out publicly, but I think I'm going to start doing that. What I do is I, I'll collect about 20 songs and I share that with my girlfriend. She works in the music industry too. And she has a, she has a really good ear for music. So I'll share cool. that with her. The playlist is called, do you like me? And it's like a note that you'd pass the picture is like a note you would pass in, in school where it's, uh, yeah, do you like yeah, me? That, yes, no, maybe. And, cute, yeah. um, and then she'll just, you know, come back to me and say, you know, out of the 20, I like these five and then I'll really go into the five and then pick, you know, reach out to reach out to all of them and then see who wants to talk. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been cool. And then I, I've also now come to a point where people are starting to reach out to me on uh, on Instagram and also friends are like, oh, I just found this band. You should have them on your podcast so that it's yeah, it's, it's been working. Um, well, that's how it starts, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people have been asking me, like, what's the end goal with this podcast? What do you want? And we don't know what it is. I it's... don't know what it is. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just doing it because I like that's... doing it. I love that's music. What's ex- that's what's exciting. Like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to get famous. I'm not trying to make money. It's it's just what's keeping me sane right now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, for real. And uh, okay, so here's something I read on your Spotify profile. I wanted to get a bit more background on it because uh, your portfolio of people you've collaborated with is very extensive. Mm. So I saw that uh, Mick Jagger was on that list. Oh, that old, that old guy. What exactly <laughs> did you uh, do with Mick? Um, we wrote, I basically have a time machine and we wrote this whole album called um, Exile on Main Street. Oh. <laughs> that would be a cool story i i was like oh my god this is it this is the story okay <laughs> uh, um we wrote a song for co-wrote a song for his show vinyl okay a song called rotten apple that was played i don't remember the name of the fake band but was um, it wasn't his the one his son was in that's exactly the one that one his son oh, was cool. in yeah, so it was one of those songs, and uh, Mick basically co-wrote it. He wrote a couple of lyrics in it. So, like, I was in... His son was in Turbogeist. Okay, cool. Yeah. One day he came to us and was like, my dad wants... My dad's working on a show, Minus Corsese, and wants us to write a song along the lines of Dead Boys and Iggy Pop from, you know, the 70s era, which is my favourite. Yeah. One of my favorite eras, probably my favorite era. And, um, and yeah, and it kind of went from there and it was, um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Okay. Yeah, it was cool. Like he's a really cool guy and I'm very blessed to be able to work with such a legend, but like it wasn't different to anything else. If anything, it was just easier because he's obviously done it a hundred thousand times. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but um in a way it's funnel like i was just jamming i wrote a song earlier today and my niece is here and she's three and she, we we're in the kitchen she was she had like an egg wisp okay and she was using it and like looking at me like that while i was playing this riff okay the guitar hang on one sec yeah i was just playing this riff that was like
Mm-hmm. And it just goes around. And she was like having this egg whisk, like going, and I was like, she's looking at me like your drummer would look at you in a band, you know? Right. <laughs> and she's three. And I was like, that sounds really cool, Cora. And then she started getting like cheese graters and people were passing her like pans to play with. And she started hitting like a, my sister gave her a silver spoon to hit like a pan with. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. And everyone's looking at me like, you can't talk to her like she's in your band. And I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> I don't like that. She, and then she started using her hand, like hitting her hand with it. I was like, I like that. It's a good tone. But she kept going back to the egg whisk. So I was like, that's because it's quite like, I think it's in three, four or six, eight, which is kind of like a carousel Yeah, yeah. I can empire. hear it in my head right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> and it was just like that's so cool so like in a way i'm not saying that my three-year-old niece is more talented than mick jagger but like in a lot of ways it's like you never know what you're going to get working with someone that's never done it before absolutely yeah that's such a sweet little tidbit i love that <laughs> but i think like writing that song with mick it, it helped me with my confidence because i felt like you know if you can be involved in something like that I can work with fucking anyone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Because like at that point, I just moved into my studio. It's called Moon Studios, which is, I named it that because it was like a spaceship underneath okay. this um, old churchyard in Tower Bridge in, in the south of London by the river. And it's like a seven, it was a 1700s crypt. And me and Emma, when we were in Sugar, we, we moved in there together. And after we broke up, I lived there on my own for six months and, just started recording and producing and that's when I left Turbogeist and it was around that time that we did this vinyl song and you know I, I did a few overdubs there and sent it back and just forgot about it and yeah it was like it was the beginning of my production career I guess my producer oh, career. Oh that's cool. Yeah and, all, and on all the off when I wasn't working when I wasn't working with other people that's when I would start writing these songs which became Atawalpa songs so um, it was just it's really just confidence and yeah. being able to figure out how to get back into that childlike um, amazement, which is what Cora has you know, yeah, so, yeah, so naturally. Because um, like, that's, that's the fuck of like, when you get older, you tend to act like it's over, but really it's like, it's just about honing into that feeling. Yeah, for sure. Mm. That's cool. Is she going to be getting a writing credit on, uh, on the song when it comes out? Of course, of course. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Tell me about your relationship with uh, Wolf Alice. Oh, um, yeah, that's... I'm really proud of that mm-hmm. remix. It's cool, isn't it's it? It's very cool, yeah. Yeah, like, that's all... It all happened so quickly, because um, I wanted to put that out next year, but um, they're a well-known band, obviously, so they got their say, you know? Right. Um, they got plans, so I... Um, Put it out when I put it out, and it yeah, it was. It still feels really new to me. I mean, that song done hanging on still feels new to me. So to have a remix of it done so well and so like, quickly, <laughs> yeah, it's like I haven't really processed that yet, you know. Right, yeah. Um, but which is a really nice feeling as well. But how do I know Wolf Alice? So I've known them as a band since they started. Sugar would Sugar played a few shows with them, um, but I've known Joel who did the remix from when he was like 16, 17. Okay. Um, I must have been like 19, 20 when he started 
sort of coming to gigs and um, we got along straight away, really. We kind of look similar. Oh, yeah? And like, and like I, um, his mum would, all, his mum is so cool. And like, we go to like uh, GBH shows. Okay. So like his mum's friends with the singer of GBH. I don't know if, you're, if you know GBH, they're like a band that was on um, Hellcat Records, Rancid's label, Tim Armstrong's oh. label. Hold on, I'm going um, to look them up. I think yeah, oh, Birmingham. I do know GBH. Yeah, I think they're from Birmingham. They're like a scuzzy punk band. Um, I was actually, I'm pretty sure I had set an interview set up with someone in the band at some point. It didn't happen in the end, but uh, yeah, I know GBH. Probably the singer. Yeah. Like, Joel's mum was friends with these guys, and I think Joel used to go out with the singer's daughter. Like, they were, like, long-term you know, like high school sweethearts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember going to these weird punk shows of like Joel and like his mom. <laughs> like Joel's girlfriend's like really sweet. You wouldn't think like her dad's this crazy frontman guy. <laughs> and um, he was in a band called Mafia Likes. And I remember when Sugar got signed, I got him one of his first jobs, like working at that label for Maraid. And um and yeah, we've always sort of scratched each other's backs, you know, and like, and then it was his turn to scratch mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it, it, it didn't really work like that. It was like, I, he always sends me messages like, oh, I like that tune. And then I think when I released Borrowed Time, I was like, do you want to remix it? Okay. And he was going to remix it. And then when he heard Done Hanging On, he was like, doesn't it make more sense if I remix that? And I was like, well, I guess so. And um, he hadn't sent me anything on the borrowed time front. So um, he did the done hanging on thing really, he caught the vibe really quickly. Yeah. Um, Cause like, I mean, at first I think he said it was like soul waxy. Okay. Um, like too many DJs. Do you know those guys? Yeah. Admit, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't really remember. I, I remember being on the same lineup as them at Benny Kassin years ago when I was playing with Jamie T and I don't really remember their music, but then, I listened to it and I was like, oh, they got like that Prince snare sound. Like, that's cool. I hope he's done that. And when right. he said it to me, I was like, oh, it's totally like, just made it really fucking cool. Yeah. And I can't quite put my finger on like, you know, a reference or anything, which makes it even cooler. And um, then my friend Grain Freeze, a.k.a. Ralph, he um, he's done a few of my videos and he always does our live visuals. Okay. And um, he's friends with Joel as well from back in the day. And he knew Joel's mom. And he was like, I really want to make a visual out of the animation video, but like make it like some weird sort of 120 minutes MTV throwback thing. Something that Joel's mom would think is even cool. You know, like we're all just trying, basically at the end of the day, we're all just trying to impress Joel's mom. (laughs) She's really cool. (laughs) And, um, And yeah, man, like it worked out really nicely. And... Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, the, all those guys are really sweet. I love their band. I love how, like, people weren't really paying attention to guitar music. Then they came along and I think they helped, mm-hmm. like, the next generation sort of appreciate what we like. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. And, yeah, I have big, big respect to those guys. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Um all right, I want to chat about spells for a little bit. Um, cool. So four songs. We have Borrowed Time. We have Take a Bite. We have Holiday and Go to the Moon. Yeah, man. How long did you say you'd been sitting on that material for? 340 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Holiday is probably the oldest song in that. I wrote that. Okay, 
I read this book called Innocent When You Dream, which is basically Tom Waits' biography, but Tom Waits never wrote a biography or got someone to write a biography. So it's, it's just interviews in a timeline, chronological order of time. Okay. And he says this thing in like the 80s about recording. And it's like, it's about, we were talking about this earlier. It's about the original idea, you know, the catching that mm-hmm. lightning in a bottle. Yep. And the more you take it apart, the more you're going to fuck it up. Yeah. So like, that's basically what his experience being in the studio is. It's like, don't do too much to it because you might fuck it up or get rid of its beauty. And um, with Holiday, I think I came up with that in Moon Studios. It was me jamming with Ben on drums. And it was just that the beat basically came from mm-hmm. that. And then Ben took that. We demoed something around that. Ben took it away put that Kanye thing on it because I kept talking about Kanye and Neil Young because like the chords are really like cowgirl and sand and yeah basically that happened and we just sort of I put a pin in it and then really wrote it I guess 2019 okay like the beginning of 2019 but like in a way I guess you could say that idea was birthed four years ago okay yeah or three years ago so, um, yeah, I mean, Go to the Moon as well was around that time, but towards the end of my time in that studio. But it was never really f- finished. But yeah, the, the idea was born then. Right. So, yeah, I guess, like, those songs spanning one to four years. Okay. And then the the ones that you recorded during COVID, so the 11 songs that, that you wrote, are you planning to release that in 2021, you think? No. The new stuff? That's going to be no, another, I think, another four years? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. That's what I'm saying, Frankie. Like, I feel like it will be, yeah, it'll be towards the end of 2021. Right. I'll start another EP campaign. Or if I have a label behind me, I'll still put stuff out of singles, but it'll be leading up to the completion of the album mm-hmm. you know, um, as like a product. Right, right. But like, I think for 2021, it's about putting the next three songs of patterns out yes i've already put two out done hanging on and killer um killer's probably the oldest song because i wrote that with emma when we were in sugar but it just never really worked as a sugar song because okay. i wasn't the singer in sugar she, she was and it just never really worked right with me, right like singing one song it looked like hey i'm a man i should sing a song right but, right you know that band x that punk band x yep i always thought that when that dude sang it's like fuck off like <laughs> <laughs> let her sing your songs like her voice is so much cooler than yours right yeah I, I, I know exactly I, what you mean <laughs> yeah i felt a bit like that but um yeah emma emma helped me write go, go to the moon as well like we wrote the the last chorus to it together but yeah i mean those songs really came to i've had i've had so many demos and little uh, little ideas but those songs really came together like towards the end of towards yeah, the beginning of 2019 towards the end of 2018 right okay mm. what is your favorite track of spells EP? yeah it changes man mm-hmm. but i mean i keep getting nightmares about take a bite and i keep waking up being like i'm gonna i'm in the studio about to record it and i'm about to do it right <laughs> sounds like i can't do anything about it now because it's, it's out and like that's another thing that I have to teach myself is like letting go. Right. But like when we play that song live, it's just so much fun. And I feel like the recording is very different. 
Okay. But I think my favorite song, I like all of them. They're all like my children. It's like telling me to pick your favorite child. Pick my favorite child. But I guess <laughs> that would, if it were being real, that would change every day too. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm really enjoying, I've really enjoyed playing Go to the Moon in the last few gigs. Okay. It's just really cool to have those songs like at that level recorded like that. Um, which is, it's all DIY, you know, no label, and you're unpaid for it. I did it mm-hmm. all my, myself off my own back. But like, it's nice to have that to work off and be like, okay, let's just feel that. How, how are we feeling that today? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll tell you which ones I like. Yeah, that's <laughs> way better. I mean, you, you caught me out. You can edit that. Okay. I think I just, just spoke about how I can't decide which my favorite song is for that's, like 20 that's minutes. Totally fine. That's, yeah. You know, most most people, I, I, it normally catches people off guard when I ask them that because they're like, fuck. <laughs> so it's, you it's know, totally I am fine. like weirdly, obs- I'm obsessed. Like, I think you have to be weird and obsessed yeah. to do this. You know? Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, but anyway. Um, okay, so I absolutely love Borrowed Time. Um, I remember just, I what pulled me into it was uh, that beat with the bells. Once I heard yeah. the bells come in, I was oh, like, so cool. holy shit, this is so <laughs> cool. And then I also really, really liked Holiday a lot. I found that the uh, the guitar riff reminded me a lot of uh, Zeppelin's Dire Maker. Okay. I don't really know much Zeppelin. Well, listen to that, just because the, it's the... What's it called? I think it's called, I don't know if it's pronounced Dire Maker. Di- yeah, Dire Maker. Okay, I'll check it out. Um, and actually, I was going to ask you if that's, if you'd been listening to a lot of Zeppelin. It's interesting that you aren't that big into them, but uh, just listen to that and tell me, tell me what you think. Not to say that it's a, it's a ripoff. It's just, ins- it sounded to me How inspired is spelling by that. Dye maker? Is that. So it's, uh, it's. Oh, okay, apostrophe. Yeah. I would have Y-E-R. never guessed that. Okay, well, <laughs> I like that song and um, I'll listen to it after this. Yeah. yeah no, I was listening to a lot of Neil Young and, um, Kanye West that time. <laughs> weirdly I love that song Holiday man yeah yeah no it's it's great so th- those two songs I, I've been playing on repeat like uh like a bunch getting ready for this so uh those That's those are awesome, my favorites uh, I also really really love Killer which I know isn't on the uh isn't on that why did you decide to release the EP and then have these two singles come out after that well that part of the next EP oh okay so, okay so spells is is out, it's those four songs, mm-hmm. um, with that Tom Beard picture of me as the king. Mm-hmm. And then Patterns is a five song EP. Okay, um, that's, the, that's the next is, one to come out. Yeah, oh, okay, two. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But I'm, I'm hoping for the first record to be Spells and Patterns. Right, yeah, like Spells vinyl. Dash or something like that? Like, yeah, with a on, stash? A, on, a, on a vinyl, you know? Yeah, cool. In this, in this order. Um, but I'm glad you're you're digging those, man. Like, yeah, no, they're great. They're really, really cool. Like done hanging on. I loved the video done for it. That animated video is that shit still blows my mind. So trippy. Who did that? Um, these two dudes. Um, well, my friend Alexandra, basically, and I sort of orchestrated it. And um, I love this guy Alex Jenkins. I follow him on Instagram. And I just think his sense of humor is so funny and dark and colorful. And I know it's just something cool about him. Okay. And um, I reached out to him to do, to do a video for a different song called Yellow Fingers, which will be out next year. And he was sort of umming and ahhing. And, and then he basically said that he didn't know how to animate longer than 15 seconds. 
Okay. We, we hadn't done that before, so it'd be good to have an animator to help. And I was like, this is during lockdown. I was like, I've got 300 quid. <laughs> Just like, I don't know, 400 Canadian dollars mm-hmm. um, to put towards this. And basically, my friend Alexandra found a bunch of animators, but one guy, Joe Taylor, who was incredible um, and very similar, not the same style, but like you could see them in the same world. Okay. And I felt like, oh, they might want to work together. And I didn't want to like be offensive because I feel like, you know, it's like someone comes up to me being like, I want to record an album, eight, like 10 songs. I got (coughs) 20 quid. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a bit, you know, you can't help but feel a bit offended, but I don't, I'm quite sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. Basically, We just spoke for ages and decided that the song should be done hanging on. I think I played them a bunch of songs and they like lean towards that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they, they just worked. I, I, I set up a Dropbox and I gave them two references. Midnight Gospel, uh, yep. which is a Netflix show, which I love. Yeah. And um, just with the style and the, the color palette, those purples and, yep. you know, space and time and weird shit. And then the episode of The Simpsons where Homer eats the chili and, jo- <laughs> and he trips out. Yeah. And Johnny Cash comes to him <laughs> as a coyote. Um, this cracks me up so much, that episode. But yeah, those were the two things that I was like, please watch those. That's the feel that I want. Right. And, uh, and their style is quite like metamorphosizing. Like it's a guy walking down the street and it goes into his eye and the eye turns into a window and it's yeah, like I love coming that. out. And that's like, that's kind of what they do. So, we just made this Dropbox and they started throwing in ideas. And um, it was like the second idea. Joe basically did the second verse. The adrenaline kicks in like a foot on the brakes. And he went along with the lyrics. Like all the other things before weren't lyrically weren't following the narration. Mm-hmm. But the way he did it was so cool. I was like, that is amazing. You can do that. And he was like, I could see him on Zoom. He was just like, oh, that's going to take so long. <laughs> but like... I think they literally, you know, it was lockdown one. They literally wanted something to, to keep them sane. Right, yeah. So this and, came um, this came dropped on their lap at the perfect time too. Yeah, and it kept all of us sane. Like, you know, me and Alexandra really enjoyed those Zoom calls and looking at what they've done. And by the end of it, I was just like, like the last segment when it's like the doctor and he's looking through the magnifying glass and looks at like little cells and then it pops out and you see the whole world. And then there's that, that man floating in space. Like Joe did that all over a weekend. Wow. And then, yeah. And he was like, I don't, I still don't understand how they did it. It's just, I felt like, I don't know. I felt like we were gods in like a temple making, creating life. <laughs> yeah. Because like every time we had a Zoom, the next time we saw what they'd done, it was just like next level. Right, right. Yeah, so that was that was really fun. And again, it was really fun to sort of remix that with Grain Freeze to the Wolf Alice remix because it just mm-hmm. gave it more more life. I just feel like, you know, there's a lot of competition out there. People wanted to be seen and I feel like anyone would enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it just feels like an acid trip. Just turning one thing, turning into another thing, into another thing. That's uh, very cool. Yeah. And really, I really it, liked it. I think the trick is to like let artists 
move at their own speed and that they do it their own way. Like, don't tell them too much because all that shit just came from their brains, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like if there was someone directing it, then it would have been really like cold and for you know, sure. For sure. Yes, but um, and like you also reached out to them because you like what they do. So you you, you know, you should just like let them do what they do. Yeah, exactly. exactly. For sure. But um no, that was super fun. I mean all the videos I have a lot of fun making them. Yeah. Um and I really enjoy like every video I've made, I've made a new group of sort of friends, you know. Right. Confidants. All right. So we have come to the uh final section. So these are just like more general quick questions. Okay. What I'll try. album song or artist has been getting you through the pandemic big thief big thief and big, big thief, thief. <laughs> yes okay cool you know the spotify rap 2020 thing yeah my top five songs were all big thief songs oh no way yeah that's wild that's cool. fucked yeah, up big right? thief is awesome yeah i think it was masterpiece paul shark smile ufo real love okay so yeah Big Time, Big Thief, and yeah, I can't really think of any other ones. That, that's, <laughs> that's, fine. One. that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's actually cool that you had like one person that you, or one artist that you went to very quickly. So Yeah, and I is... never really got into them till recently as well. Yeah. So they've been a real, yeah, it's just such a joy. What is the last song you listened to? Not necessarily Big Thief. It could be Big Thief, I guess. But... No, I don't think I've listened to Big Thief today. Um, I'll look on the Spotify Da, 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 da. Oh, uh, Lowell George, Two Trains. Okay. It's a banger. I'll put it in the chat now. Cool. Yeah, please do. It's like, oh man, this is the sort of music I want to make with a band because you just, you can't make this music on a computer. Right. Not that I make my music on a computer, but it's like you leave space for the drums. And right. Yeah. Yeah. This is just like, you wouldn't be able to, it's like creating spontaneity, you know? can't really do that with a computer i mean you you probably can if you're afix twin but I'm not <laughs> <afix>. <laughs> yeah, check, check that tune out man it's great cool yeah i, I have it, I have it great as well. lined up here george okay got it two trains okay and then last question for you how do you go about finding new music it used to be about going out to clubs listening to djs in between bands but you can't do that anymore for mm -hmm. well for now it's on pause my flatmate i mean he's older than i am i tend to show him music but every now and again he shows me music he might have even introduced me to big thief actually actually no he didn't my other friend sam did but he'll claim that he did <laughs> they're like friends acquaintances youtube's really good yeah i've heard a lot of people use youtube i i haven't tried finding I mean, stuff with youtube go out there to find it on youtube but like I see things, like mainly like, t you know, Tiny Desk yep. concerts, like that. I really want to do something like that in England, Tiny Desk concerts. I yeah, I actually, I actually did do something like that up until we died because of COVID. But uh, yeah, I had this thing called shame. Sideways with some buddies of mine. Yeah. And um, Tiny Desks was our Tiny Desks. And do you know Colors? Yeah. Yeah. So those were our two... Those are the two catalysts for this is, you know, why we want to do something like this. And mm. uh, what we did was uh, we just built a set. We found a very small office and we built a set, had a very cool landlord who was essentially just had this this really large event space 
and he built these two offices between the event space and the the windows heading out to the street and mm. he just built those offices there because he was a he's a raver kid and he just wanted to throw raves and he needed a that's sound cool. buffer between between the event space and the street wow, um cool. so he was totally fine of us having loud bands in and all of that so yeah we started this thing called sideways and we built a set and we just did it for two years. So uh, the first year was like a, an old, like Victorian smoking room. And then yeah. the reason the show is called Sideways is the entire set was like this. So people would be standing oh. on the wall when they're performing. I'll send you oh, a link for that dope. right now. Yeah, send me that, please. It took a lot of work, but as long as you're with the right people and people that are just motivated and realize like, this isn't nothing that's gonna, there's not gonna be a return on investment right away, you'll be fine. I definitely suggest doing it because we found yeah, man, so well, many great artists I, because of I, that. I've been chatting to someone over here that runs a pizza company. We wanted to start one called Tiny Slice. Okay. Where they see the, the set is the restaurant and we get the bands to play and feed everyone pizza. And it might happen, who knows? We'll right. See. Yeah, we'll see, but, um, we'll see what COVID, but that, what that's happens a, with COVID. Yeah, that's a great way to sort of find new music. The other one, which is quite, I don't know. I don't know why I'm, I'm a bit grossed out by it, but Spotify algorithms. Mm -hmm. So like my daily mix, I listen to Spotify on average of like five to six hours a day. Okay. Because um, I drive a lot and it's, you know, it's usually on when I'm just, you know, moping around mm -hmm. and um yeah, like my daily mixes sometimes come up with some really cool things. Yeah, I do find the algorithm messes up sometimes too. Like I'll I'll find like I'll like one electro song and then it's just like the next week it's like Frank loves electro and then it's just electro music and I'm like, ah, I like that one <laughs> song, but that's not really all I, I listen to. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's hit or miss. <laughs> how do you how do you listen to music? Spotify? Well, uh, yeah, I listen. I listen on Spotify. I find new music. A lot of the times it's doing these interviews, actually, because people will just say, I've worked with this person or you got to check this person out. Well, I, that's cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, just like, you know, the, the classic, like checking out all the, the music blogs and just seeing what new stuff's being released. And then something I do like about Spotify is, you know, if you're really into an artist, you just do that artist radio thing and then it'll just yeah, find stuff that's, that kind of, say. that's kind of similar. Yeah, that's great. I mean, Instagram is really good as well. Like just, yeah, following blogs and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I always like when people write about my stuff, I kind of want to know the people that are writing about it and just like thank them at least, you know? And yeah. Sometimes they'll like, a lot of the time they are like fans. They get into the music and um, they send me stuff and I check out their blogs, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love discovering new music. Man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now that I know that you'd like hip hop as well, you should Love check out this Canadian hip hop duo called Snotty Nose Res Kids. I'll, I'll write it down nice. here. I'll send you the link on Spotify one sec. There are two indigenous guys from uh, British Columbia. Yeah. And they are so extremely talented. I, oh, I, I can see them on, um, they're on your yeah. sideways thing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we had them. We had to come on, and this um, is really great. I was so happy that I managed to get that. I uh, I really like. I'd been listening to them for a while, and uh, I just I just kept you know putting it out there that I'm like I want to have these guys on the show, and then their manager hit me up like a couple of days later. It was very weird how serendipitous that happened. It sounds like you've done and you're doing loads of cool stuff. Cool, man. Yeah, thank you. Just trying to keep busy. 
<laughs> just trying to keep busy. That's the one, right? It's the way um, to do it. I mean, check out, um, I've got a few playlists on my Spotify. Cool. Uh, new, one new music one, one daily mix, and one called Inspirations. Okay. Um, and I add to them like every week. Cool. But um, yeah, I mean, the new music one's interesting because, I mean, I used to like discover new bands from touring and, you know, putting on nights and stuff. But like recently, it's literally just been, yeah, the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Luis, my last thing for you is just what's next for Atawelta? Well, I'm editing this video uh, for the next single, which will have two visual things with it. Uh, one will be this video that Emma Chitty's directed that we shot the other day in the woods. And another one will be a documentary that I made in Cornwall with an artist called Jackson Whitefield. Cool. And um, so I think I'm going to, I haven't decided which I'm going to put out first, but um, they will both be supporting the song, Please Take Care, which will be the next single, which will be out around mid-February. Okay. And then I'll put two more singles out after that with extraordinary videos. Like I'm really kind of trying to push the elements yeah, for next, sure. With these next videos. And um, and then, yeah, start like, hopefully by then I would be manifesting studio time for the second record. Yeah, cool. And, like, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can play some shows soon. And I'd love to come over for North by Northeast at some point, man. Yeah, man. Oh, man. I really, I have family in the UK. So when I, when traveling is allowed, I've already promised them that I'll be uh, going to visit. So I'll hopefully be... in the UK? Where does Pauline live? She lives outside London. I know mm. when I, I went to go visit when I was 15 and I know we took the train into London and it was about a 45 minute train ride. Okay. Beyond that, I can't really, couldn't tell um, you. Are, you. are you from Toronto, born and bred in Toronto originally? No, I'm from South Africa originally. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. yeah, you got an accent. I like yeah, that. yeah, a little bit of one. Yeah, still held on to it after after all these years. I've been in Canada for like twelve years now, but uh, yeah, the accent won't go, which is good. It makes me a bit unique. When I, <laughs> but people people here think yeah, I'm, I'm from just the eastern part of Canada because they sound uh, they sound a little Irish over there. Oh, really? <laughs> so I get Irish or Newfoundland all the time, and I'm, I don't know. I I love Irish people and I love Newfies, so it's. Uh, I don't take it as a as a bad thing. <laughs> no, not at all. We had a um a Canadian guy doing the steady cam on the Please Take Care video, and he was saying how incredible the amount of accents we have in just this one tiny island. And in Canada, you got three. I, I know. Yeah. Three accents. <laughs> yeah, it, it is crazy. I um, my dad is Swiss. And uh, I remember, cool. so I've been lucky enough to spend a lot of time in Europe and Switzerland specifically. And I remember this one night, my cousin's a chef and I was uh, in his apartment. He said, okay, tonight we're going to do like a roast beef or something like that. I think I forget what he was making, but he invited like the local butcher. So he got the best cut of meat. He invited just a bunch of friends from that, you know, his buddies. Mm. And I was sitting in the room and I was chatting with one of his friends who was like, like his English is really good. So we were just chatting. And uh, we're just sitting there and he's like, oh, man, I love your cousin's accent. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because this is in Lucerne. And mm. I was like, what do you mean? Isn't, doesn't he sound like he's from Lucerne? Like, this is where he was born and raised. And he's like, actually, no, he's from Emmen, which is 10 minutes up the <laughs> road. And I'm like, what? And he's just like, just listen. Just listen to your cousin speak and then listen to the butcher. The butcher's from Lucerne. And I'm like, oh, my God, it is a little different. And then the other guy's from Bern, which is just an hour away. Sounds completely different to the guy from Zurich. It was... It's wild. It's wild. How I'd love to like know how that happened, you know? 
I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't. I guess just like when you're in a huge country like Canada, you have so much space that it kind of makes sense to me that we have, I think we have a bit more than three accent types, but you know, it, it makes sense to me that it, that'd be more spread out. But I think when you're in such a small place, mm. you know, it's weird how there's like town rivalries. Like you, you hate the town from down the road because of football or whatever it is. So like, you kind of like try and distinguish yourself. I don't know what it is. I, maybe that's something to do with it. I, I remember uh, going to school with someone from, I think she was from Liverpool and yeah. I had the hardest time understanding her. And yeah, I was just like, oh, you're English. Why can't I understand you? You're English. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, so weird. It's a great accent. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. So and There's cool. a few different levels to that because you've got, like, the John Lennon Scouser. Yeah. And then you got, yeah, some some accents just harder or stronger that you can't yeah it's hard to understand right like, yeah to me she sounded like a soccer hooligan that's, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. honestly what it's <laughs> like so so brash and everything yeah. anyway luis we are done amazing man well it's been a pleasure to chat to you yeah it's been so great this was so easy and I'm really looking forward to hearing all the new music and seeing the videos and hopefully eventually being able to see you play live yeah man i look forward to that beautiful cool Thanks, awesome man. man have a great night thanks you for chatting too, Thanks a lot. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.